introduction. I really, I can't thank you enough. Thank you. Well, you're quite welcome, and I know you're very busy. I know you're very busy, so thank you so much for coming on. But yeah, well, what's the latest news here, man? This is, this is finally breaking open. It is, it is. And you know, it's important to come on your show. I definitely want as many people as possible to, to hear this information and to know about this investigation. I, you know, when, as I listen to you introduce the segment, and you call it the biggest scandal of all time, I think a lot of people would initially feel like that's hyperbole, but it's almost an understatement. And every day, I'm just completely blown away by how brazen and how just awful the crimes are. Uh, you know, one of the latest things that's, that's sort of come into the, uh, into the investigation is something that we've called the Dilyana Files. And Dilyana, of course, is a Bulgarian journalist who we've been trying to reach, but so far we've been unable. I'm sure she's as busy as we are, if not more. And the other problem is, it's, you know, we've become, I don't want to use the word paranoid, but it's possibly an accurate word, because we've got so many people contacting us with, don't get me wrong, most of the people who contact us are wonderful, great, well-meaning people who are honest and who feel the same way that we do, that this corruption has just got to stop and they want to help in any way that they can. And, I mean, you know, part of the problem is, I think, 
honest people presume that other people are honest, and it, it really opens the door for dishonest people to to uh, come in and, and do harm. So I can only imagine that Diliana's being approached by many, many people that want to discredit her work or, uh, you know, sort of discredit the information that she's brought to light in this, uh, in this trove of files that we've dubbed hashtag Diliana10, which is a 10 gigabyte archive that contains images, videos, PDF documents, uh, and uh, a host of other things from emails that seem to have come from the Bulgarian um, uh, embassy uh, in Azerbaijan. And, uh, you know, it's, it's detailing the activities of an airline called Silkway Airlines, which is a commercial civil aviation airline that should not be transporting weapons of any kind and it has been under diplomatic cover transporting weapons of all sorts and you know with the release anonymous bulgaria and diliana have released these files and you know george trish and i through crowdsource the truth and with some of our new crowdsource community members that have come to help us we've been pushing these files out there there's a website now called truthleaks.org which is maintained by uh, someone that we've dubbed panama mike and mike is is a uh, site admin who's there in Panama who watched the show on YouTube, you know, crowdsourced the truth on YouTube, and uh, he watches George Webb as well on YouTube, and he just felt he had to do something, just like we did. And, you know, for many, many years when I would talk about what people would tell me are conspiracy theories, you know, people would get angry and think I was an idiot and basically just say, well, what are you going to do about it? And crowdsource the truth is the answer. We're going to expose the corruption. We're going to share this information with as many people as possible. And, uh, you know, George and I got these files. Someone someone sent us a, a link to the tweet from Anonymous Bulgaria. And uh, we decided to really dig into the file and, and see what was there. It was a RAR file, which is a type of compressed file that is certainly very common format to the computer savvy, but not the type of file the average person might encounter. So we wanted to make it very clear how to deal with this stuff. We went through and did the sort of confusing work of unpacking the archive and getting it into the standard types of formats that everybody can deal with, PDF files, JPEG files, Microsoft Word files, etc. And now we've got thousands and thousands of people looking through these files, looking at bills of lading. This airline was shipping everything from uh, AK-47s to white phosphorus to depleted uranium to even in one case someone found a Lexus that went uh, from uh, the UAE to Pakistan and sometime during the trip it gained about 1,700 pounds. So we're not sure what that indicates. Either something could be hidden in the car, being illicitly transported within the car, or perhaps the car has received an armor plating from a company called Safe Cage. We're not sure. But uh, we're certainly uncovering a lot of evidence, and, and this, we accumulate that evidence and start to put together the pieces of the puzzle. We can hopefully create some elements of proof of some of these crimes that we've been talking about. Right, and the crime is they're sending these weapons to who, and who is, who is, paying, who is funding these weapons? Who's profiting from these weapons? 
Well, it's uh, again, it's a wide range of people. We've identified companies like KKNR, which uh, David Petraeus is a principal at. Uh, George has identified tenuous links to people including John McCain and Lindsey Graham through their affiliation with the Nadra Bank in Ukraine. And uh, I mean, that's just it. You're not gonna, you're not gonna see, you know, uh, uh, a credit card charge or a check made out to John McCain for a million dollars for selling depleted uranium. They don't do it like that. But it takes a lot of legwork and it takes a lot of looking around to figure out how these connections are made and exactly who is profiting. But you know, of course, we've seen in WikiLeaks and other sources, Hillary Clinton herself sent an email. I believe it was to John Podesta. The Podfather, as we've dubbed him, and certainly the Podesta group seems to be profiting from a lot of these transactions. Hillary sent an email saying that, you know, Saudi Arabia and Qatar and other people are funding and arming ISIS. Well, you know, it's one thing to have an email. It's another thing to put together the whole modus operandi and have written proof of these things going around, including letters requesting diplomatic cover for certain flights, uh, you know, descriptions of the weaponry that's being carried on those flights, and just understanding that this is going on. You know, I know you've been uh, watching the show and you've been a member of the crowdsource community since, uh, you know, several months, uh, as I'm aware. I've only just joined, joined George. Yeah, from the start, exactly. I mean, I, was, I started out watching George's channel before I got my channel, Crowdsource the Truth, involved and made it kind of the, the focal hub. Uh, but uh, I know you were with us when the whole incident came up in the port of Charleston. And what happened there, you know, George has a lot of sources, and we're seeing it happen. You know, we receive phone calls from people who have information which they don't tell us who they are, but George seems to indicate that, you know, oh, well, this person wouldn't know this or that unless they were NYPD, let's say, or FBI, let's say, or from the Azerbaijan, uh, you know, Bulgarian embassy or whatever. I mean, I don't want to, uh, you know, identify anyone in particular, but we've got high-level people coming forward, and because we allow them the ability to and not just us, you know, anonymous Bulgaria, I don't know where they got these files. And it's not about vetting the source. So many people are vetting the source. And you say, oh, well, it was in the New York Times. It must be true. But I'll tell you what, if the New York Times writes a document that says two Russian prostitutes urinated on a bed, I don't necessarily consider that proof of anything versus, you know, you say, hmm, you know, uh, SCIU is laundering money through Amalgamated Bank, and then the next day the Amalgamated Bank says, ooh, the website's going to be down for maintenance. Again, that's not proof of anything, but it's an element of evidence, and we've seen a lot of these things happen. You know, George has brought up a lot of topics that certainly I had never heard of before, things like Fusion GPS, and we start exposing some of the activities of the company Fusion GPS, and the next thing you know, Glenn Simpson, the principal at Fusion GPS, leaves the fifth and leaves the country. Well, that's an odd coincidence, isn't it? Yeah, because he was called to testify before Congress, wasn't he, before Congressional Committee? Well, you know, by pleading the fifth, he's refusing to testify uh, because it would incriminate himself to do so. And that's his right, of course. But I think leaving the country, I mean, again, I don't want to comment too much on the legal aspects of it. I'm not a lawyer, but just strictly in terms of the time correlation of, you know, I never heard about Fusion GPS before George started talking about it. And now I've heard about it in mainstream news and elsewhere. And this guy left. Right, and they manufactured the big Trump dossier, right? 
That's right. They're a, uh, a political operative firm, which is, you know, that's, that's fancy speak for dirty tricks. They're basically doing opposition research. And, I mean, look, you know, a topic that's come up in many of our conversations, the alleged murder of Seth Rich. Uh, Seth Rich has worked for political operative firms as well. He worked for Quinlan, uh, what was it, uh, Greenberg Quinlan Rosner. And, uh, you know, I certainly don't know anyone personally who's worked at these political operative firms, but it seems like they're putting together plans and executing them to achieve political goals. And how they go well, about right, doing what, it, well... Well, that, going back to, going back to the, the shipment of, of arms and stuff, what I'm gathering right. in a nutshell, what I'm gathering is these politicians are, are owning companies that are arming that are providing arms, and they're providing arms to the terrorists. I say they they yeah. they made yeah. this private terrorist army, ISIS, and they mm-hmm. put it in countries like Libya, Syria, mm-hmm. and everything. Mm-hmm. And they're they're overthrowing countries, and they're profiting off the weapons. They own the factories that are making these weapons that they're that they're giving yeah. to this IS terrorist group. That's right. That's right. This and is of awful. course. They're, they're, of course, profiting when they win the war as well. So, I mean, if you if you want a war in, uh, let's say, Libya, well, you can use Silkway Airlines to send a bunch of weapons to, you know, quote-unquote moderate rebels or whatever it is that they call them. And then these guys have modern warfare equipment, and they can go fight Gaddafi and, you know, create all kinds of problems, and they can knock them out, and then the United States can put USAID and... Halliburton. Yeah, and, and provide them with these illegal weapons, these chemical weapons, and then they sit there and use them, and then they turn yeah. around and say that the leader of the country did it to their own people. Yeah. It's when really it's very disturbing. It's very, very oh, disturbing okay. when you start to look at the details of what's going on and how it's done. And, you know, of course, George and I went to Washington, D.C. about a week or two ago to see the uh, confirmation hearing for Christopher Ray, the uh, guy who's up for the FBI, uh, you know, the, the, the head of the FBI position. And we uh, sat in the room and listened to Lindsey Graham. And, you know, George always talks about the school play. I felt like I was watching one of the worst school plays I ever saw. Lindsey Graham was just, you know, very high strung. And uh, the well, questions he, he, he was asking. high strung right about now because he's about uh, ready to yeah. be hung. I well, mean, he, I then think he got, he, you're then right. he came with a fake cancer diagnosis. That's awful convenient. Right when it's it coming down, when it's going to be to It did seem strange to me that it just came up out of nowhere. And, you know, the other yeah. thing that's always really interesting is that George has this. People were saying last week that George is psychic. Now, uh, of course, I don't think George is psychic. I have said many times that I think he's a genius. And his deductive reasoning and his investigative process are fascinating and amazing. But he did say, uh, I think a day or two before any news came out about John McCain having surgery or doing uh, any, anything having to do with cancer or a blood clot behind his eye or whatever it is that they said, George did say, well, it looks like uh, John McCain is probably going to take a leave of absence from the Senate. And what George believes is happening is that, you know, some sort of arrangement has been made where John McCain will be able to just sort of bow out gracefully without having to uh, face the music, as it were, for any of the numerous things that he's done. You know, a lot of people who watch the news, including people in my family and close friends of mine, just think John McCain is a war hero and saying anything bad about John McCain is virtually blasphemous. But... If you go back and look at John McCain's uh, military record and his 
just overall demeanor, he's not a very nice guy. And he no. violated his uh, military oath when he was in Vietnam by, by talking to the Viet Cong and revealing certain things and making propaganda tapes for them. You're not supposed to do that. And, of course, you know, many people would say, hey, you know, you get tortured. That's a whole different deal. But when you join the military, you're not supposed to act like a regular civilian. Obviously, civilians aren't meant to be tortured. No one is meant to be tortured. But when you join the military, you take an oath that you're just going to reveal nothing other than your name, rank, and serial number. And doing anything other than that certainly puts your comrades at risk. The other POWs who were imprisoned there with John McCain, when the enemy sees that torture works, they're going to be encouraged to torture more of the prisoners. So it's really not something that you should be doing. And, I mean, John McCain's flight record was terrible. He crashed multiple planes. There's questions about what his culpability was in the uh, horrendous accident on the USS Forrestal that uh, resulted in the deaths of about 160 sailors and many, many more injuries and destruction of, uh, or, or, you know, huge damage to uh, a military vessel there, so I'm not a huge fan of John McCain. Uh, so oh, I don't no, want anybody to... More profiteers in, in Congress. Yeah, he's a war hawk, and you would think that someone who's been to war, like you look at someone like Tulsi Gabbard, she's putting out bills called Stop Army Terrorists, because here's someone who's been to Iraq and seen the horrors of war firsthand. I have no experience with that, but I would only imagine that it would sort of make you not want more war, whereas in the case of John McCain, we see him hanging out and being photographed with members of the Free Syrian Army, sort of known terrorists. I mean, what is he doing? Exactly. Why is that? Overthrowing that? Ukraine? He, yeah, you know, Oleg Deripaska and all these different guys that he's been involved with. He's, he's a very, very questionable individual, and I think that we should be looking more closely at the activities of John McCain. His involvement with the Bulgarian arsenal, weapons manufacturer, uh, there yeah, are a him lot and, him of and, uh, Him and Graham own that factory, own parts of it, huh? That that arsenal? Well, I mean, that's that's been said. I don't want to exaggerate that statement too much because we've got to, we, we still need to provide stronger evidence to create a proof that that is going on. As I said, we're not going to see him there cutting the ribbon on the day they opened the factory, and we're not going to see checks going from arsenal to him. But, you know, George talks a lot about how money laundering happens and how these different deals are made. And, you know, once you start running money through banks like Nadra Bank, and I think that's been defunct now, but there are all these sort of shady banks around, uh, you know, George has identified the SEIU connections with Amalgamated Bank. And uh, again, you know, when George started making a series of videos outside Tony Podesta's apartment in the toy building, we got word that a lot of people didn't like that. And of course, uh, John Podesta left the country not that long yeah, ago. And John was these days. What's that? Where's the podfather? Where is he? Yeah. You know, the last we heard, he was in Finland, and uh, that was very interesting because there was a bit of news that came out about this Finnish AK-47. Uh, we've heard a lot about how artwork, this was another thing that was related to the Bulgaria, uh, anonymous Bulgaria release. 
George has been talking for at least a week about how, I mean, again, you know, if you are engaged in illegal activity, you can't just go over to your local bank and make a withdrawal or a deposit for several million or several hundred million of your uh, black dollars. You've got to have ways of you know, moving this wealth around through, um, uh, what's the word? I, you know, things like diamonds and artwork and uh, uh, negotiables. I forget what the, what the term that George uses is, but it's not cash. It's not electronic credit. Uh, the, the loophole of numbered bank accounts in Switzerland was eliminated after 9-11. So although that was very popular when I was a kid and James Bond, they always talked about transferring money to a numbered Swiss bank account that was anonymous. You can't do that anymore. The uh, banking laws that came about after 9-11 eliminated that loophole, but they haven't eliminated the loophole of the diplomatic pouch. And this is at the crux of everything we've been talking about. And I, I go back to this Port of Charleston incident that I know you were listening on the night that, that occurred. Right. And basically what happened there was we had received intelligence from, again, one of, well, a group that is a source to George that has provided a lot of incredible information in the past. And, and they said there was reason to believe that the Maersk Memphis had dangerous depleted uranium on it. And, uh, you know, we've been following the Iwan brothers for 276 days, I think it is today. I'm not sure. But, you know, George's investigation has been going on for almost a year. Uh, he was one of the very first to even talk about the Iwan brothers. And now that uh, there's been a, a bit of a breakthrough with uh, uh, the FBI investigating Debbie Wasserman Schultz after finding what they're reporting as smashed hard drives at the home of one of her IT aides, well, they're talking about Imran Iwan's home at uh, 9667 Hawkshead Drive in Lord, Virginia. And, of course, George went there something like three months ago. He questioned the Marine who was there at the house, and the Marine told him that there were laptops and Blackberries at the house when he moved in. And today... So were stolen from members of Congress, right? Well, black I mean, you know, that remains to be seen. It does seem very likely that that's what they are. Uh, just yesterday and today, there's been a lot of reporting on Fox and uh, other mainstream outlets and you know, places like the Daily Caller, True Pundit. They're all talking about how the FBI is investigating uh, Imran Awan, you know, this, this former IT aide of Debbie Wasserman Schultz. I think he might still be employed by Debbie Wasserman Schultz. It's very unclear. But, I mean, as recently as a month or two ago, Debbie Wasserman Schultz was was literally threatening Matthew Verderosa, the chief of the D.C. Capitol Police. And you can see her on YouTube in her own words. I'm not making this up. She said she wanted the, uh, the lost equipment back. She categorized it as lost. And Verderosa told her it was evidence in an ongoing investigation. So there's all this confusion as to who smashed it, when it got smashed. Uh, did the FBI have it? Did the D.C. Capitol Police have it? It's really quite strange how all this stuff goes on and how it all seems to surround Debbie Wasserman Schultz and Hillary Clinton and, you know, all of their so how, long again, have they been, how long have they been spying on these congressmen with these Blackberries and, and laptops and stuff? Well, how many years I mean, they Imran, got the dirt on them, huh? 
Right. Imran Awan has been identified as operating in Congress. I believe George has him there as far back as 1999. Now, I don't know when the BlackBerry was introduced, but, uh, you know, certainly Imran, who, who is a member of the Pakistani ISI and is a foreign intelligence operative who's working there in Congress, he's been there for, you know, 16, 17 years, quite a while. I think this whole BlackBerry um, enterprise service scheme maybe as old as 12 years but it's I mean it's certainly been going on for many many years and you know the other question we need to be asking ourselves is Imran Awan I don't know if he's back in the United States now but he did leave the United States at one point while he was wanted by the DC Capitol Police now how can someone leave the country when they're wanted by the police for an investigation well that's what kills me right how they're allowed to do this to come and go in and out of this country when they were wanted. It was a bit of a rhetorical question because realistically speaking and legally speaking, the only way that you can do that is if you hold a diplomatic passport and you have diplomatic immunity. And this would also allow you to transport items under diplomatic cover. Now, the Awan brothers, in addition to uh, working full-time in Congress uh, and the IT department, earning $160,000 a year, which is a generous salary, but certainly not enough to purchase a Mercedes R-Class and 12 homes in the Virginia area, or to own upwards of 28 businesses, including fruit canning companies, shipping logistics companies, sporting goods companies. You know, we, we identified these containers in the rat line across the U.S., aren't they? All these well, companies. Right. Yes, that's exactly right, because the, the uh, containers that were on the Maersk Memphis, you know, many, many people who, you know, look at what George and I are doing and just say, oh, these guys are conspiracy theorists, they're making stuff up. Uh, that's obviously wrong. We're not making this up. I mean, why would we do that? That makes no sense, and obviously it wouldn't be able to be sustained. We'd be found out as idiots quite quickly. Uh, we're reporting credible intelligence and putting together pieces. I mean, you know, uh, Imran had been to the White House. That was in the White House logs. He had met with, I believe, an immigration lawyer in the White House. George extrapolates that that was to get a diplomatic passport, and they do own a company called Awan Brothers Shipping, which was the registered shipper of these four cargo containers on board the Maersk Memphis. There is an ongoing investigation of the Port of Charleston that was just announced, I think, yesterday. Uh, we're going to have tonight on our broadcast at uh, 8 p.m., we're going to have Joe Napoli, who, you know, Joe Joe is an executive recruiter. He's, uh, he he gets, finds people jobs in the high-tech industry, and he's a crowd source member, a concerned citizen. He just got involved and has become somewhat of an expert on filing FOIA requests and, and dealing with the Coast Guard. He's got a contact there at the Coast Guard that he's been dealing with for weeks, finding out much more about this than CNN or the New York Times are bothering to do. CNN and the New York Times called us conspiracy theorists, and now it's turning out that this diplomatic loophole that allows dangerous and deadly chemical weapons, depleted uranium, to be shipped around under cover of diplomatic immunity without being scanned by the Coast Guard, without being, you know, they can't even so much as x-ray these things. And uh, to make a dirty bomb, all you would really need is either an improvised explosive device like a can of propane or a small amount of C4 or some other, you know, dynamite or some type of explosive device to uh, incinerate and, um, you know, send 
tons of vaporized, uh, depleted uranium into the atmosphere. And if something like this were to happen in the port of Charleston, it would create a dangerous, toxic environmental event. Right. That wouldn't go away for in our lifetime. Yes, the half-life is something like four billion years. And it's also worth mentioning, Evelyn, that you know these, this uh, depleted uranium is being used in munitions that are being shipped, as you identified, to the Middle East. Uh, they've been since the first Gulf War, Operation Desert Storm, Operation Desert Shield. Depleted uranium munitions have been used, uh, dropped on you know, targets in Iraq that have left toxic remnants that affect civilians. And we don't hear about this in mainstream news in the United States, but the level of birth defects, cancer, etc., in Iraq is huge to the extent that I think, uh, I, I don't know the statistic offhand, but I did read an article that was talking about many women in Iraq are refusing to have children. So this oh, is right. a generational... Yeah, I found that in my research. Yeah, they won't because they had children, they're so deformed, and they are so badly right. deformed that doctors don't know how to treat them. I mean, right. they've never had any experiences like this. You know, these That's babies right. are born with, you know... The eye in the middle of their head, they're born with extra limbs. It's just horrible, horrible what the United States have done to this planet and to all the people. And and these people starting these wars and overthrowing these countries and killing all these people and and then going in and, and, and setting up these rat lines for child trafficking and organ harvesting. I mean, it is so horrible what the United States has done to this planet and to the people. It is shocking, and I think that if the public knew, they, they'd be uh, in an uproar. So, again, you know... Well, that's what I keep st- trying to wake people up to demand, because yeah. I put the numbers for the congressmen, that they can write them and demand a stop to these atrocities. Right. And they don't well, do it. You, I can't wake people up. It's, you look at what happens in the case of, say, uh, Louisiana Representative Steve Scalise. You know, he right. stands up and says, hey, you know, human trafficking is a problem. Coming out against human and trafficking. Anybody that tries to stop that child trafficking, tries to stop them from raping and sodomizing our children, gets merged. And well, they try I, don't to know. I think he's still alive, but certainly there was an assassination yeah. attempt. I mean, that's a big deal. If you go and look at that uh, that uh, episode where Trish and I were in uh, in Oxford to see Eric Braverman, there was a whole conference going on about corruption within governments, and it was uh, an international perspective. There were representatives there from Nigeria, from South Africa, from Sweden, and the basic thrust of the conversation was that it's uh, very risky to be the the one honest person in a corrupt organization, I believe the quote was, you know, if you put your head up, you get your head chopped off. So how many people can watch all those heads roll and continue to stick their heads up? I mean, look at what happened to Mr. Braverman. By all measures, he seems to be under control of someone and really only able to say what they want him to say. Right. And anybody that goes near this, was the, like in the last, I don't know, month or so, can you recall the deaths that have happened, people that are investigating oh, this wow. or involved? Yeah, I mean, you've had uh, Peter Smith, who was uh, who was apparently looking into uh, trying to get the emails of uh, these missing 33,000 emails. What's been reported by the Wall Street Journal is that he had contacted, uh, I think, some Russian operatives or uh, the Russian embassy or something in search of the emails, and then he mysteriously died, apparently suicide due to helium. But there's yeah, a lot of strange things. Yeah. 
A lot of strange things about that. And he was, you know, there at a hotel near the Mayo Clinic, and uh, there's a lot of weird things going on. We just had probably looking uh, into other... organ harvesting operation. Well, I mean, again, I don't know. I don't want to make allegations like that, but I can just tell you that it's strange. You know, when an 81-year-old man who one of our friends, Charles Ortel, was speaking to him uh, just hours or days prior, said that, uh, you know, first of all, he didn't realize that Peter was 81. He said he was quite fit for his age, certainly mentally fit, and seemed to be substantially younger than 81. Charles assumed he was in his 70s, and he was actively engaged in this investigation, enthusiastic about the work that he was doing. Obviously, it's you know a very dark road to go down, but you know just like George and I aren't happy to be investigating uh, the most horrendous crimes in the world, we're certainly vigorously pursuing it and uh, feeling you're risking your life every day. And, and those of us that follow know it, you know, Jason, and and we love you and we honor you and respect you and for putting your life out on the line like this every day. Um, Something happens to one of you, and and believe me, all hell will break loose because we will not sit for that. I think you're right. I think you're right because people are starting to realize. You know, I remember in 1993 when Vince Foster died, and they said it's a suicide. And I I was, you know, obviously much younger then, but it just struck me as odd. And, I mean, I've always been, uh, you know, fascinated by the controversy surrounding the JFK assassination. And, of course, there were several thousand records uh, released in an unredacted form today, several hundred records released related to the JFK assassination today that have never been seen before. So I haven't had an opportunity to take a look at any of that, but I'm quite curious to see what will come out of it. George always says, well, that's a throw. They're trying to get you to not look at what's happening now. But I I still say... Yeah, but you said, I think you said on the show today that they've been announcing this was going to be on this date for some time or something. But otherwise, yeah, yeah, I yeah. would look at that because, right, this spying in Congress, I mean, this is the biggest story in the world right now. And the thing I is agree. about this spying, now, you guys, now, I was going back today in Georgia. I was all the way back in March. He was talking about this spying, you know, and the mm-hmm. media just refuses to cover it and everything. But you guys went up there to Congress, and you went door to door to different members, didn't you? And didn't they act all dumb like they don't know nothing about it? Well, they didn't know. I mean, certainly the people working for them didn't know. And, um... Oh, they know. George has had uh, these videos out. I mean, I was looking at them in March, and they go back before that. They know. They're being spied on, and that's why they uh, ain't talking. Maybe. Maybe. It's possible. I mean, I can tell you this, Evelyn. When George and I were in D.C., we took Uber a lot going around, and we would talk to the drivers, and one of them happened to be a uh, retired Metro PD. Uh, he, he had been an instructor at the police academy. And we were there for the Seth Rich vigil, the one-year uh, memorial of his uh, alleged death. And we asked this guy if he had ever heard of Seth Rich, and he hadn't. So. You know, if if you're one of these people that's really just kind of like coming home from work and turning on ABC or NBC or CNN or CBS or MSNBC, this stuff isn't necessarily coming into your you know sphere, and you're not necessarily paying attention to it. So I, it's hard to say well, what people know and don't know. Well, I don't mean the people on the know. street. I'm talking about the actual members of Congress who are being yeah. spied on. They yeah. know they're well, being spied on. It's possible. And so, but it's to possible. Act, um, you know, I mean, guys, because. That was your goal, right? To just go and and 
Well, you wanted to get them to save the Awan brothers, didn't you? We want to raise awareness. We want someone to, well, it's starting to happen. I mean, it is starting to happen oh, no, now. Yeah. Rush, Rush Limbaugh said something about it today. True Pundit had an article about it today. Hannity uh, has Sean an article about it. Hannity had an article about it today. So, you know, this is a big, big ship, and we're trying to, you know, steer it in a, in a totally different direction. So hopefully something can happen. I mean, I really think people would be surprised if they knew... Uh, the types of things that go on. And, uh, you know, my my cell phone has been hacked. Trish got a very bizarre email about a week ago saying that her cell phone and my cell phone has been totally compromised. And, of course, you've seen the various uh, incidents where we've encountered the dirt box, which is a, a radio device that kind of takes over the signal of your cell phone and can, you know, copy any of the information coming out of the phone or redirect it do all kinds of things. I mean, when George and I were out in front of uh, Tony Podesta's apartment the other day, which is, you know, 25th Street in New York City, the middle of Midtown right there, we uh, were standing right in front of the apartment, and I had a full LTE signal on my phone, but yet the broadcast kept stopping. I don't know why that would be. We broadcast from all over New York City without a problem. And even after it completed, many people saw the full 12-minute broadcast, but what actually got uploaded and what remains on YouTube right now, I think is only about five minutes. So a lot of strange things happening uh, related to the digital data and the digital devices that we're using in terms of hacking and all that kind sure. of stuff. And, and these members of Congress, though, there's, well, I see reports of dozens, but I think, I think, I think George said like 170. Yeah, I mean, I last heard over 80, so over 80 could be any number, of course, but uh, it, it's a lot. I mean, they're prolific. Yeah, man. And, then, you know, and what people don't probably don't realize, they had access to all their emails and everything like yeah. that, you know, and then for all these years, can you imagine the dirt they have on them? And now they took those hard drives, so now the FBI and the, and the police and everything, well, I know, I know the police know about a lot of it already, um, mm -hmm. But they get to see all this dirt on all these congressmen. And people need to understand, when they do this spying, they spy on everybody. I mean, when they want to spy on you and blackmail you, I mean, they gather all the information on your family members, your friends, That's right. anything That's right. you contact with, so they got the goods on everybody to use to blackmail you with. So here's yeah. all this dirt, and, and uh, the whole world probably has it. Well, it's hard to say where it goes once it gets out of your control. And uh, the uh, there has been reporting that says that it's been, you know, that the Wan brothers have used members of Congress's data to blackmail them. So that's sure. that's been pretty widely reported. It's not just George well, no, and no, I talking no, about it. What's you that? know that this has been going on forever. I mean, all the by now, all the congressmen stuff are blackmailed. I mean, maybe some of the older ones, maybe Grassley isn't, you know, some of them that been in there for a long time. Maybe a few, you know, but uh, nah. It's difficult now, to speculate, you know, exactly who has and who hasn't, but certainly the data's been compromised. And, you know, we know that James Comey testified that uh, through, I believe his words were, through some method, uh, there was a regular practice of emails being forwarded from Huma Abedin's devices to Anthony Weiner's laptop. Now, why would that happen? Why does Anthony Weiner have classified information on his laptop? And furthermore, if we know that that happened, 
why is it just you know an apology and saying no, I won't do it again and everyone says oh you know there's no no big deal Hillary just used personal email I, I really think that people have not yet fully understood what went on and this email scandal is not going away because you know one of the key things that they try to do is that they try to use technology to confuse people. We've spoken about NGP van, and you know, most people don't even know what that is. Uh, it's, it's, it's a big, giant voter database and donor database, and it was used to generate, you know, there were websites that were created where they have landing pages. George is also talking about Act Blue and how a web page called Act Blues was used to trick people into donating money to places that weren't exactly what they thought they were. And uh, Microsoft just this week announced a lawsuit against Posey Bear, I believe it was, the hacker group that was doing that. So we see this modus operandi of... Uh, and the Posey you know, Bears are... Well, uh, you know, we've got to talk to George, exactly. It seems to me so difficult to follow and so difficult to... I, until about yesterday, I was under the impression that Cozy Bear was a suite of tools. But apparently Cozy Bear, or technique, but Cozy Bear is apparently uh, a hacker group. And, you know, George has also coined this phrase of uh, Operation Paperclip 2 whereby uh, during the fall of the Soviet Union in, in the early 1990s, just as after World War II, the top-level Nazi operatives, whether they be scientists or intelligence operatives or whatever, and this is known, they were brought over to the United States, integrated in NASA, integrated in the CIA, various government jobs, medical experts, etc. So in Operation Paperclip 2, certain KGB agents and certain elements of the former Soviet Union were integrated into the United States as hackers and, and other operatives that are carrying out various functions. So, you know, it's very interesting when we hear uh, this this beating drum, this repeated mantra of, oh, Russia hacked, Russia influenced our election, the Trump administration colluded with Russia. There's been no proof presented. There's been no Everything they're saying presented. that Trump did, they are doing that's right, I mean, and they the keep, you know, the people that, people that support this... Made up of Russia and, and Podesta in that. Right. The people that support this will say, oh, look, Donald Trump Jr. had a meeting with a Russian lawyer, or Jeff Sessions had a meeting with a Russian ambassador, or whatever. But when you really dig into these things, or Michael Flynn had a, meet, had a phone call with the Russian ambassador, I mean, when you really dig into these things, it's quite clear that they were set up to specifically look bad, you know, by these operative firms in some cases, to create a, a sort of a pretext for making accusations, but there's really actually no proof. And when you look for hard evidence of collusion with Russians, you look at things like uh, the sale of uranium-1, to uh, Rostrom, I believe, a Russian energy company, that was, you know, lobbying by the Podesta Group, uh, money being paid to the Clinton Foundation, uh, a Moscow uh, investment bank paid $500,000 to Bill Clinton to give a speech. The guy who, who owns the Barclays Center in part and owns the, uh, the Brooklyn Nets 
owns this, uh, I forget the guy's name right now, there's so many characters involved in this whole thing, but they basically paid $500,000 to Bill Clinton for giving a speech, which Charles Ortel has said the fees that the, that the Clintons command for their speeches are so far out of uh, market value for what people on that level are getting for these types of speeches. And again, you could say, oh, well, he's a former president, whatever. Okay, 700000 500000 And then the correlation with activities by the Secretary of State in those time frames, the sale of 20% of U.S. uranium mining capacity to Russia. And of course, uranium is a strategic asset. It's used in creating nuclear fuel for nuclear weapons, for nuclear reactors. The depleted uranium is this dangerous material that can be used in these banned weapons. The UN considers depleted uranium an illegal chemical weapon, yet it's being manufactured and shipped all around the world and dropped on uh, people in the Middle East and leaving these dangerous radiological contamination zones that, that harm non-combatants for years and years. Right, right. You know, and I was thinking, you know, when you were going around to those members of Congress, wouldn't you have thought that, you know, one of them would have said, is that true? Well, come on in and tell me about it. We got to look into this. It's difficult, I Evelyn. Mean, I mean, you know... If they, I was a they, congressman, I really didn't know about it. If you guys came to my office and told me this, I'd yeah. want to hear all about it. And I'd be I right mean, again, it. it's we're, we're still honing our process of how the information is shared. I mean, you know, two guys walking off the street and tell you, hey, there's a spy ring in Congress. It's very difficult to accept. I mean, a lot of this, what we're saying, you know... You're, you're someone who's been absorbing this information for months and months and doing your own research, and you know the truth about the way some of these things operate. Now, on the one hand, you brought up the point earlier that maybe some of these members are being influenced and being blackmailed, and they don't want somebody walking around talking about it because it just puts them at risk. They know Steve Scalise was just shot a month or two ago, and, you know, he, he's he been back to the hospital to see Dr. Sava or Dr. Ateljevich or whatever the guy's name is. And, uh, yeah, what is his shape nowadays? Do you know? Uh, the you last heard? I heard, he was back in the ICU. I haven't heard an update since then. And that was that was another thing I was worried about, that, right, they'll kill people off right, right in plain sight. That's what they do now. They really, and I they mean, they're going to... What, what's that? So, okay. So scary. Yeah, I mean, if they're going to be so brazen as to just, in broad daylight, walk up and fire automatic weapons at members of Congress, that is scary. Yeah, yeah. And it was, just, I mean, I don't even think it was a week after he had he had a tape out where a video where he was introducing this ending child trafficking. Yeah. So uh, it looks like, um, let's see, I'm just looking for some news updates about Steve Scalise. We'll have to check that when the phone call is done. But uh, I think he's still alive, so I presume he's got to be recovering. But, you know, that and was And then there was that attorney, event. was that attorney down in Miami that was, was murdered that um, was investigating the visas or whatever? That yeah. That was Barrington Wiseman. He he uh, washed up on the beach in Hollywood, Florida, with blunt head trauma. That's a, a very curious case. There were two other attorneys in Florida who uh, who died. Obviously, the Becks have been uh, 
Jared and Elizabeth Beck, who've been involved in the DNC lawsuit, and everyone's very concerned about their safety. Uh, Elizabeth Beck had a very emotional interview on uh, Infowars just about a week ago with Owen Schroyer. So, you know, there's a lot of things going on that just don't seem like the types of things that should be going on in our country. Well, and this is the thing, and, and now it, it, and it's right in plain sight. I mean, the whole world sees this, and believe me, the whole world is watching this. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, the brazen nature of these crimes is is among the most shocking aspects of them. Although it's it's hard to it's hard to decide what is the most shocking aspect of it. I, I think really, most decent you know, people I mean, you know, would just we jump around. You know, I said it was bad enough. You know, when the, the rat lines when they were when we figure out you know that they're trafficking arms and drugs and stuff. But then George mm -hmm. finds out that the, the trafficking children and then the organ harvesting operation and yeah. operation that. How long, when did the Clintons started that organ harvesting operation in these war-torn countries? Didn't well, they? I can tell you that, you know, my first knowledge of the Clintons being involved in, you know, what George has dubbed rat lines, which are the, uh, the illicit trade routes and the logistics and the networks involved in executing them, go back to uh, the Arkansas Financial Development Association and Iran-Contra, all of the... Uh, all the guns for money for drugs that was going on out of Mena Airport, which was a CIA operation that's pretty widely known, but I'll tell you, a lot of people still really don't know about that, and a lot of people don't even know what the Iran-Contra scandal was. So there's a Tom Cruise movie coming out pretty soon. I think it's called Made in America, which is all about you know Barry Seal and Air America and how this all went on, but I just don't know how many people are aware that the Bush family and the Clinton family were involved in this, and uh, it's really quite bad. And of course, you know, Bill Clinton's brother went to jail for cocaine possession. So, uh, you know, this is a sort of an open secret, and uh, it's but just gotten worse. When did that start? That started in Kosovo, and the UN in 2014, I believe. Uh, we, sh we should Google the Yellow House Kosovo 2014 because the UN found this group of doctors to be guilty of that. I mean, you know, from their standpoint, I think they 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 justified it that you know these are the enemy and prisoners and we're going to kill them anyway, so we might as well uh, take their organs out and use them to save other people. George always talks about making the hearts happy and things like that. And, it's yeah. just, uh, it's, it's quite disturbing. And, I, you know, I've spoken to many doctors, I think four or five doctors at this point, and asked them, do you know anything about this? And I was shocked that every single one of them was basically aware that the organ transplanting business is, I mean, this is also a pretty open secret, what they described as kind of sketchy. Kind of sketchy? Huh. Yeah. It's yeah. a big-time racket that they've got going right. but now that they're doing it in the United States. I mean, yeah, it's in, they've got that Hooman Square down in Chicago. Yeah. People There's go in there and they never case. come out. They, no, they're murdered right. and taken for organ harvesting. And, That's and right. this is so bad. I mean, they create they create this chaos and stuff in, in the cities and stuff and, and create all this chaos and violence. And in Chicago, I mean, we always hear, you see reports in mainstream media, oh, so many people are killed in Chicago over the weekend and all the, Yeah, right. because it's a fast and furious thing where they're dropping off arms to these gangs, and then these gangs are set up. If they kill somebody, they can take them over to this business 
over there on the rat line and get $4,000 cash for him. Now, what is a racket is that? Yeah, drug I mean, addicts, it's... Turn them into drug addicts. That's part of the rat lines. And then they're addicted to crack or cocaine. And that easy? Just kill anybody and haul them over there and you get $4,000 cash and you go and launder it through the casino and then you walk out and you got that to buy your crack and your coke with for the day? Well, of course, Gary Beck, uh, Gary Webb did the uh, the investigations that uh, revealed the CIA's involvement in uh, bringing drugs into the inner cities through gangs and, uh, you know, the creation of the crack epidemic and all that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, you're right. There's there, All of this stuff is is going on and you know generally what we've heard is that generally there are these uh there'll be there'll be two hospitals involved one that's sort of the you know donor and i'm making air quotes there with the donor thing the donor hospital that's going to be in a kind of a lower income uh sort of a neighborhood and then the recipient hospital and uh i mean you know certainly it's widely acknowledged that this organ harvesting is going on in the third world Cambodia and uh, Middle East and, you know, all over South America, etc. But uh, I think that it's not as widely known that it's going on right here in the United States as well. And uh, no, I wasn't it's aware a big of it. deal. Yeah. yeah. There's and, a case. And I, I case know I wasn't aware of it until George's yeah. investigation. Yep. There's a case that we're looking at at the Mayo Clinic where a Japanese man was uh, waiting for a liver transplant and had wired $375,000 to the hospital in anticipation of the transplant. And then the hospital determined that he had a fungal infection and wasn't uh, eligible for the transplant. And they kept his money and didn't give him the transplant. And of course he died. And then very shortly after that, his wife died, which was strange. And uh, there's just all these strange circumstances surrounding these things. His wife was only 61, I believe, or uh, something in her early 60s. And now someone who's not Japanese has taken over the case for them. So, you know, families are diverse, and there could be a logical explanation for that. But George and I are certainly in the process of investigating that further, because there do seem to be quite a lot of strange circumstances surrounding some of these uh transplants so how much i know george went over it one time but i forget how much is about was a body worth that they use everything on it uh you know it's a couple of million dollars uh the heart yeah. is uh, a quarter of a million or something in that range the lungs the liver the, the there are uh, components of the eyes the bone marrow is very bone valuable marrow. yeah yeah yeah. So uh, George did do an episode where he sort of broke down the value of the body down to the bone marrow. And, uh, you know, uh, like I said, if they're over there doing war and killing people, if, if every person they kill can be can be worth money, well, they consider that the spoils of war. Sure, sure. So they take the children, you know, for sex slaves, and then, uh, and then well, like George says, the homely ones or something, then they go for organ trafficking. I mean, these people... These are human beings doing this stuff. It's it's quite hard to believe, indeed. They're soulless and heartless. And the people in America that will not wake up and step up to their congressmen and stuff and demand a stop to this are just as bad, in my opinion. Well, I mean, again, a lot of people like just... Nothing's happening. Oh. I mean, for a lot of people, Evelyn, it's so... Uh, 
unfathomable. It's difficult for them to even approach mentally. So it's it's a process, I think, for people to, you know, you, you talk about a topic like Pizzagate, you know, when that first came about, I I sort of didn't even look at it for several weeks because it was just so repulsive that it's hard to wrap your brain around it. I think a lot of people have that reaction to these types of topics. And, oh, and then me, again, I yeah. I did. Yeah. I mean, I would get sick to my. I mean, I would get physically sick having to look at stuff that I had to to investigate it. But I realized that somebody has to do this. Right. Right. It's a major psychological issue to oh. even accept that this sort of thing could go on. But to accept that it is going on and that it's getting right. worse and worse. And if we don't stop it now, there is no end to this. I mean, this is we yeah. should have broke open yeah. this pedophile network all the way back in the Franklin scandal when Bush Sr. was in office. And right. we didn't. We let it get pushed under the carpet. And now it's gotten to this point, and this is the point it's at now. It's yeah. 50 times worse than it was back then. And That's, this right. Has That's, right. That's right. That Franklin we scandal is quite well, quite well documented. And there were, I remember there's an article, I think, in the Washington Times about male prostitutes visiting the White House. It's very bizarre. Yeah, but they, they didn't really stress underage kids traffic. Right, right. Hotels. I mean, this is it's beyond comprehension. And I do understand that people, this is so hard to look at. Believe me, I understand it. I went through it. And I've gotten to the stage where I'm, I'm kind of numbed out to it, you know. But there are days that my stomach just lurches. It's like I can't look at this today. I can't, yeah. I can't deal with this yeah. today. You know, it is yeah, traumatic. It can be quite, quite hard to accept, for sure. Yes, but uh, people but the, have got the investigation, to The investigation continues, and, uh, you know, more and more evidence is coming to light every day, uh, certainly with regard to the chemical weapons and the rat lines related to depleted uranium and white phosphorus. We haven't really spoken that much about that. But that's another weapon. You know, there was a whole, uh, there was a whole deal going on between the King of Morocco and uh, the phosphor coming from there, the phosphor mines, and how that was utilized money flowing from the King of Morocco to the Clinton Foundation, and, and that really takes it back to the beginning for George's investigation as far as, um, you know, Eric Braverman, uh, what we've been talking about lately is that Eric Braverman was being forced. Oh, oh dear, there it is already. There we go. Oh, Jason, well, thank time you so we'll much for coming it. on. Okay, well, be safe. We care about you. We love you. Thank you, Evelyn. Okay. Take care. Talk to you soon. Yep. Okay. okay, people. Well, we'll see you next week. Bye.